Monday of game week, it's just different. It hits different. It feels different. It's uh, something that has been in my blood my whole life. So when you listen to Red Dirt music, it's like that last Rebel sound to me. It is a combination of uh, Southern rock and jazz and uh, bluegrass. And, and for Skip Bayless to come out and say, I don't feel bad for him and kind of belittle him and say, how dare you? How dare you as the leader of America's team show weakness? Honestly, I want to say what I want to say. This is the Sam Mays Podcast. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays. And today we're talking to George Stoya with the Denver Gazette, now covering the Denver Broncos. George was someone that uh, went to the University of Oklahoma, covered the Sooners, the Big 12 for a while. He was in Arkansas here uh, recently, and now he's made the move to the big city. And uh, George, how's the snow treating you, buddy? It's, uh, it hasn't snowed in a couple weeks, but what's funny is that it's so cold here that the snow's still on the ground. Oh, and yeah. that's weird to me because in Oklahoma, right, you know, you get ice or snow, and it kind of just goes away after a little bit or like, you know, a couple days or so. Here it just stays, especially like in the shadows. Like you'll drive by hills and it's just everywhere. It's weird to me. So it's uh, it's still freaking cold here, and I I don't like it, but it's whatever. No, I'm not going anywhere. So right, and look, I mean, there's a year to be snowed in. It would be the 2020 uh, COVID season. There's no question about it. And uh, I guess probably the, one of the first questions I've got for you, uh, just in a just for Sam type of thing. I mean, what's the what's the jump in like? You know, you're going from familiar places and familiar scenery to a city that you never lived in before, and now you're covering an NFL team, which seems to be a little more aggressive than the college beat typically, uh, and not to mention the pandemic that's preventing you from meeting anybody or shaking anybody's hand or seeing a player face-to-face. I mean, it's got to be a difficult transition for you. Yeah, I, are we allowed to cuss on this podcast? Absolutely, you can cuss on this podcast. Okay, it's... <laughs> I will, the jump is hard as shit. I like, I, you know, when, when this job opportunity came open, I was obviously very excited. Um, you know, I, I've worked here before I've worked with the people here at the, at the Gazette and, and I know my editor and he's a great guy. And, and so when Nate, when he called me and, and I got to talk to some of the editors there, I was obviously super pumped. I was like the NFL. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, I'm, I'm 24 years old. I just graduated from college. Like, you know, who wouldn't want to do that at this age? And I'm young, I'm single, I can, you know, kind of, you know, move around and and do all those things. And, you know, I think I jumped in anticipating that I would be able to come in and and just kind of kick ass from day one, because I, I, that's what I want to do. I'm a competitor, you know, I I want to, I love it. And, and, and the reality is, is that I'm getting my ass kicked here, you know, like, I mean, there's people on this beat that have covered the Broncos for 20, 30 years. Um, You know, they have all the inside sources, they know the team, they've covered you know, Super Bowls and, and, uh, you know, they know John Elway from when he played and, and, uh, all these, all these people and, and just the, the differences between covering a college team and pro is just so much different than what I expected. I knew it would be a little bit different, but the fit that like the reality is, is that you're covering guys that are, are men, right? I mean, I, I, in college, you're covering 18 to 22 year olds. I mean, those, those are, you know, those are kids that are maturing, you know, that are becoming men. I'm covering 30 year olds, you know, that are playing for millions of dollars. I mean, this is their job. This is their asses on the line every Sunday uh, for a paycheck. And so the reality is, is that, you know, they're a little bit more critical in, in interviews. You can be a little bit more critical in the things you write, which is, 
something different because you know you don't want to rip a 19 year old kid that absolutely screws up and you know things like that and, and so it's totally different in that sense and then also just in the sense that you don't really go through uh the organization to get like interviews right like i mean yeah they set up like you know daily interviews with players and, and press conferences and those sorts of things but other than that you go through agents i mean you're talking to agents every single day to try and get interviews and, and things like that and I mean, and, and the thing is, it's like every single, like the, the, for people that don't know, like OU has Mike Houck, right? He's the SID. He's in charge of all the interviews, any, you know, media inquiries, you go through him. Well, every single player in the NFL has a different Mike Houck, essentially, right? Like you have to go through their agents to get anything that you want for your story. And so that's been extremely difficult too, because it's, it's hard to, you know, find those people, get them to talk to you, get them to respond, especially for, you know, the, the Denver Gazette is a, basically a, a set off of the Colorado Springs Gazette, and it's, it's, it's relatively new. It just started a few months ago, so not a lot of people know about the paper. Um, you know, everybody knows the Denver Post. And so it, it's just, you, know, you add all those things up, a startup, 24 years old, never covered the NFL, um, you know, coming in mid-season, in a season that you don't get to be in the locker room and talk to the players and get to know them. You add all those things together, and it's just been extremely difficult but it's been fun I mean I can't complain I'm living in a really cool city I, I really love Denver Colorado's beautiful um you know, the Broncos are, are not very good in fact right. they're horrible but um you know it is it's been a lot of fun and, and you know they're you know again my editor has been great he's, he's helped me a lot and, and he understands that this is going to be a learning curve for a year or two years maybe three years for me to really get adjusted to doing something like this but I can't complain it, it, it's been tough but a lot of fun for sure that was a really long answer to that question. No, that's great. And, you know, I've never really talked about what it is to be, you know, like my transition from uh, athlete to media member was probably one of the easiest things in the world for me because of, I, I mean, I just like to run my mouth. I'm, I, I'm a shit talker, always have been, uh, whether it's to the media or to an opponent or uh, to whoever. And so when I got into the media, it was more about don't cuss on air than worrying about what I'm saying or, frankly, who I'm saying it to, right? Like, my credibility comes with my All-American status. I walk into an any NFL locker room, they recognize me as somebody that is one of them, right? Versus you, who you're 24 years old, uh, still got that that baby face, and, you know, are you – what is what is the protocol for how you separate yourself from the next, you know, 20-something-year-old guy in the Yankees hat trying to get the same interview that the other guy is? Like, how do you – I mean, I, I don't know what that is. You know, it's easy for me to be like, hey, I just want to come ask you a couple of questions, and most of these dudes are like, sure, come on over. You know, for you, uh, trying to set that tone and, and stick out and be different, I know it comes with you – in print, but the reality is you got to build that relationship first, right? You got to get them to recognize you and be like, right. "Hey, George, you know what's up, buddy?" and and want to talk to you, want to get to know you. I think the biggest thing is just trying to relate to them, and I was able to do that, you know, at OU. I think one of the reasons I was successful one, I just know a lot about OU football, just because you know, my dad played at OU in the eighties, and um, you know I grew up on it, so I just knew it. But two, I, I think that. Then, you know, being a college student and being able to relate to those guys, like I'll never forget, uh, you know, sitting in New York with Kyler Murray at the Heisman ceremony and everybody's asking him all these baseball questions and, and you know, what's he going to do and all that stuff and, and asking about the playoff. And I remember I just sat there and there was like a little period before he had to do like a photo shoot. And I asked him about taking finals because it was finals week during the Heisman ceremony. And me and Kyler kind of connected and talked, you know, for a few minutes. And I think those are the type of relationships I try to build. And so doing that in the NFL is really tough because I it's hard to relate to these guys. And so 
one thing that I, I do pride myself on is just trying to understand the game more. Because I think one of the biggest criticisms that players have towards the media is they don't really know the game, right? I mean, you, you sit there and you, you have somebody that's never played in the NFL or never played football or whatever, and they're asking you questions about, well, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? Uh, and, and so it, it, and I can understand that from their perspective, because why, you know, why would they want to answer a question from somebody that doesn't know about the game? And so, you know, I, I, again, my, my dad played football at OU. He was a football co- coach for a long time in junior college and high school. And, and so I sit down and I try to break down games with him and, and try to understand it better. So I can sit there and talk to, you know, an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman and be like, Hey, tell me about this counterplay that you guys ran or tell me about this scheme or, or why you guys ran this coverage on that play. Um, and those sorts of things, because I think if you can do that, then they're a little bit more open to be like, okay, this kid, this kid gets it. He understands a few things. And, and also just being a person too. I think sometimes media people are so, you know, they don't realize that these guys are humans. They have to go home to families too. And it's just like covering college kids. It's like, do you really think that 19 year old kid, you know, really like was trying to, to miss the play on that, you know, or, or wasn't in the right coverage on that or, or meant to throw an interception there. I mean, and I think sometimes if you can relate to them on a human aspect too, it, it really helps. But I, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing is relating to them as a human and then relating to them, to them as a player. And, and also sometimes you just have to admit like, Hey, I don't, I don't understand, you know, cover three, you know, whatever, zero blitz, whatever, or uh, the GT counter that Lincoln, right? Like, can you explain it to me? And if you do that, I think they're going to be a little bit more willing. Now, I mean, now some guys are going to be, you know, jerks and, and say, no, like you should know that or, or whatever, but I, I think that most guys are, are pretty open to those sorts of things. You have to be a little bit more vulnerable as a media person. You know, this is the podcast, so we kind of get to jump around a little bit and keep it casual. And there's something that you've said a couple of times since we got started uh, talking about 19-year-old kids and uh, the way that we have to approach covering college athletics. And I think that I probably have even more so uh, of a idea of what you're talking about than maybe even you do. But I would say that in the last... 10 years, George, it's got, it's changed, right? With social media, uh, the way that we covered college programs. And, and the first guy I think of when you say this is Buki Radley Hiles at Oklahoma, as this kid does something wrong in the football field and you open your Twitter account and he is now trending on Twitter. And it's like, part of me is like, well, you deserved it. You jerk. I can't believe you acted like that. Why are you out there doing that? You're a selfish player. Like I would never, that kid's not stepping on the field for me, period. Not happening. Right. But he's also a kid. And so now, you know, I have my frustrations as a former player. I've got fans and listeners at me, like, what are you going to say about Buki? And I'm like, man, I'm going to tell you that that wasn't a smart play, that it was a selfish play and that Lincoln Riley, you know, that he wouldn't play for me, but that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. Right. Like I, I find it, it's distasteful to see uh, this kid just get railroaded like that, even though a lot of the times, you know, he has deserved it. That was my son. I would lose my shit over the way that he acted publicly, the way he acted on the football field, all that stage stuff that he's out there doing. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it would drive me nuts. But to say that, you know, I can't, I don't want to attack him personally. He's a, he's 20-something, and he's young, and he's, you know, that that's just who he is as a person. And maybe he's changing and developing, and Lincoln Riley comes out and says, you know, we'd be a worse team without him on it. And that was flabbergasting you know, to me. I was like, what, do you, where, where's this coming from? And I'm just, you know, I wonder, one, how does Buki feel about all of this? And two, you know, from a media member's perspective, do you just do what the masses kind of want you to do, I guess? Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring up Buki. I actually know Buki pretty personally. I mean, I was um, 
one of the first people to write. I, I wrote a big feature story on him before he even played a game at OU. I mean, I was one of the one that that kind of you know, fed, you know, you know, believed in the hype, um, so to speak. And and uh, when he signed, I wrote a big, you know, two thousand, three thousand word story on him and, and talked to his mom and and uh, got to know his family, got to know him personally. Um, and he, and at the end of the day, I, I think Buki is. I think he means well, right? Like, again, like, I, I go keep going back to that. Like, it's not like he's, like, purpose, purposely, like, trying to screw up OU's game, game plan, right? Like, he's just doing dumb things. And, you know, I think as a media member, you have to be fair. And, and there's times to criticize, and then there's times to back off a little bit. And, you know, I think fans are a little bit harsh on him. Um, but that's just the reality of today, right? I mean, that's just, that's just Twitter. That's just social media. Um, and, you know, it, it sucks because, I think that one thing that we don't talk enough about is, is mental health. And I can't imagine, right. you know, a 21 year old kid getting on social media and, and as much as he screwed up, right. And, and that Oklahoma state game and, and doing what he did in, in other games, right. He screwed up. He, he really did. But to get on there as a 21 year old kid and see thousands of tweets, basically saying that, you know, you're, you're worthless, that you're not, that you, right. you mean nothing to me. I mean, that's, that's going to be tough. And so I think that's something that, we have to remind ourselves, especially as the media, you know, I mean, we can, the media has such power, right? I mean, we have, we can go on the radio or we can write a story any day and we can, we can, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people can hear it or read it, right? We have so much power in, in our fingertips and our voices. And so we have to be careful on, on some of that stuff because it, it can really, you know, hurt a kid. And, and again, I'm not saying don't be critical because that's what our jobs are essentially is like, we're supposed to be critics. That's what we do. But I think we have to toe the line and we have to realize that. And then, and again, I don't know if I'm answering the question very well, but I just think that we have to remember wh wh where these kids are coming from and what they're going through on a daily basis, because it's a lot. Yeah. And it's a lot more than I think the normal person realizes. Oh yeah, no, I, I would agree to that. I, after my first start, um, actually it wasn't even a start. So this is my true, my redshirt freshman year, uh, Jason Russell's the starting right tackle. He goes down midway through the first quarter. The starting right guard's name is Brian Phillips, NFL prospect, big-time player. That was a good offensive line at the time in Oklahoma State. And I get in the game, and the opponent is is Justin Smith. And he just, I mean, this is 13-year NFL vet, pro bowler, first-round draft pick out of Missouri, and he beat the shit out of me for four quarters, essentially. Uh, Brian Phillips, who was a real dick, didn't speak to me the entire game, not one call. The only thing he said to me about midway through the third quarter was, hey, man, all these NFL scouts are here to watch me, and you're fucking it up. That was his communication to me uh, throughout this game. So long story short, I gave up three sacks, two tackles for a loss. Those were the first sacks of my entire career came in that game. And I went back to my dorm room, and I thought – this, I don't know what to do with myself. I've never lost at this game. I've never not been good at it. And that dude, I mean, I had two broken ribs. He broke my nose. Like, it was, I mean, it was a disaster. I, I just wasn't big enough or strong enough or capable of defending myself, which is what it came down to. But that was the only option. So, I'm on campus that Monday. And a guy about Keegan Renault's size, you know, five foot nine, you know, five foot ten, uh, walks up to me and he says, you're Sam Mays. And I was like, yeah. He says, what's wrong with your hands? And I'm, I look at my hands and I'm rolling them around. And I'm like, nothing's wrong with my hands. And he says, well, why didn't you use them on Saturday? And then just walks 
away. Like, this is by the pond in Stillwater. Just walked away from me. And I'm sitting there like, did that just happen to me, right? And that's just one person and his assessment. Because, I, I mean, that was it. And by the way, the game couldn't just end after four quarters, right? It was two overtimes. And I clearly, this is the one game in my entire life that I take responsibility for us losing because I, I couldn't stop him. Like, I'm trying to do anything at this point to save my ass. It was so bad that as we walked up the ramp, he stopped me and he said, look, you're going to be great at this game one day, but I'm older and I'm bigger and I'm faster and stronger. He's like, don't, you know, don't carry this with you. What a great guy, right? Nice guy. And I'll never forget him doing that. Uh, to me, but it was a disaster. And like, so I'm heartbroken about this. My whole identity is wrapped up in football, period. And so for that kid to come at me and say, what's wrong with your hands? I was like, this is some bullshit. And that's without Facebook. That's without Twitter. Like, could you imagine an offensive lineman performing so bad that the game was lost due to that person and he admits it and then having a Twitter account at the time? I can't even imagine what that's like. And maybe they just, I mean, maybe they, you guys have just been around it long enough that it's a part of your life, but you know, for me, when I see his name trending, I'm like, I, like that, that makes me cringe a little bit. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think about that all the time. It's like, if I was an athlete today, I, I would lean towards not even having social media because I, especially if I was one in the spotlight a lot. And that's, that's something I want to know from you. If, if you played today, you know, 2020, do you think you'd be on Twitter or do you think you would maybe you like, I know some guys that get it. And then once the season starts, they, they log off, right, or they delete it from their phone or whatever, and then they get on. But do you think you would get on? Because I know me personally, I think I wouldn't have it, but at the same time, I think I'd be so interested to hear what fans are saying or what people are saying about me. Like, I know these guys are getting on Twitter after the game, and they're just searching their name in the search bar on Twitter and just reading everything that pops up. And, I mean, I just – I mean, I don't think I could do that unless I played a great game, right? Like, I – you know, right. say you I was the quarterback. Right, you want to Yeah, right. But do you think you would – you would do that today? Yeah, no, because I'm a fucking asshole. I can't help myself. <laughs> like, and, and it wouldn't necessarily be about me as much as, um, you know, maybe defending teammates and, like, people are just, I mean, you see my Twitter account now. I'm a jerk about it. Like, I don't care. You're going to come at me hostile over some bullshit? Cool. I'm going to treat you like a hostile witness. I don't I don't care. Um, I probably would have been a problem with social media as a, as a college kid because I'm so aggressive uh, when it comes to that stuff. And if I feel like I'm being wronged or my teammates are being wrong, I'm going to have something to say about it. So, you know, when I, now that you, when you put it like that, I'm going to say no, because I don't think that they would have allowed me to have it. Like I'm that kid that gets it taken away after right. week one or two, because I'm like telling the fan to go F himself and jump off something like, you know, go pound sand type of thing. And, and it just wouldn't have been conducive to the college football atmosphere, you know, as much as it is the NFL, the NFL people are, you know, those guys can say whatever they want to on social media I'm worried about the college brand and all that good stuff. So, yeah, probably not. Probably not a social media guy back then. Yeah, and, you know, and I think that's one area where we do have to give Buki some credit. He's never been one to clap back, right? Like, he's, right. like he could easily say something. I mean, he could even say something in, in the media, but he's always been, um, you know, very – what, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but he doesn't he doesn't say things back, right? Like he, he's he's not someone that's he's reserved, and, and, yeah, stoic a yeah. little bit, yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, he, I mean, he's great interview. I mean, I cannot complain about his interviews. You know, the few times I've talked to him in press conference settings and, and even one on one, he's he's a very nice kid and and you know very respectful. Um, always gives great answers. I mean, he always apologized after all the mistakes he's made. But um, it it is interesting, I think to sit back and watch it now as, as 
somebody that's not covering the team and, and just see how people react. Because I think sometimes with media, we get a little blind to it, but um, I don't know. It's interesting to see what they'll do moving forward. I know that the running joke last week was that they didn't have him. And here's the thing. I, I personally think Buki's actually a pretty good player. Oh, so do I. I think he's really good. Yeah. I mean, I think he's really good in coverage. Um, you know, I think you, everybody points back to the Iowa State game, but I mean, in my opinion, when they matched him up against somebody like Charlie Kolar, that's a coaching mistake. That's not on Buki because I, I mean, that's just a mismatch. That's not right. his fault. It's like you're trying to post um, but me. Most up. of the time, he's in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he most of the time he's in position to make plays. That's the thing. It's just, it's, he's actually pretty good in coverage. So um, it'll be interesting seeing what they do move forward. You know, uh, if I were him, I mean, I I'm not saying this is what he's going to do because again, I don't have any you know, inside on this. But if I were him after this season, I would seriously consider maybe transferring just because I don't think I could take wow. it. And, and maybe he's got, I, you know, I, I personally don't have that thick of skin and maybe he does. Maybe he's, you know, wants to prove people wrong and all that. And that would be great. I hope he does. You know, I hope he, he does that. But I personally would be like, man, like, get me out of here. I want to go somewhere that, you I'm know, maybe people will. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, again, I, I'm not saying, like, fans are out of place, but I think some people are, and, and I just wouldn't – I don't know if I could take it, man. I just don't. And and the thing is, is I know he's, you know, he's highly recruited. A lot of people would want him. You know, Nebraska could use him. I mean, hell, I know that's where he was committed for such a long time, and, and I'm sure they would – you know, they'd take him with open arms. But I just – I would not be surprised to see that I – screw this, I, I can't put up with this anymore. Let's, um, let's talk about the word media for a second. You know, we say it a lot – um, we are the media and you know I feel like as you make the jump from college to the NFL uh, that word probably means a little bit more your press pass means a little bit more uh, in the last two three years under President Trump's reign um, the media that word has become kind of a bad one now granted we are sports reporters we are radio hosts we are uh, not people that are giving you your everyday news or you know telling you stories from Washington but we are lumped in the category, and it does make it seem a little bit uneasy or than it used to be, right? And when you look at my social media pages, for example, you know, I get a lot of, well, you media members this or you media members that, like we have some sort of agenda in the way that we are uh, presenting information to people. And, and as a radio host, I get paid for my opinion. And the way that I shape my opinion is my personal preference. You might not like it or how I'm saying it, whatever, but I'm not presenting to you factual information. So I feel like it takes away really me out of the entire equation, but because of the word media and because it says press pass on my chest, when I go to games, I'm lumped into this category as a writer. You, I feel like maybe you're a little bit closer to the situation because you are writing your opinion, but a lot of the, there's a lot of fact into it. And there's a lot of, you know, firsthand accounts and things like that. Have you, you know, noticed any difference in the way that you're treated uh, publicly, have you noticed any difference in the way you're treated on social media? Do you feel any different about being in the media now? That's an interesting question because I think that, especially someone that just graduated from journalism school, things. I mean, I, I feel like, of course, I wasn't alive a long time ago, but when when journalism was first invented, right? Like it was, you're, you're there to report the news, and that's like you're not supposed to give your opinion you're not supposed to do that you're not supposed to lean one way or the other um and i feel like today things have have changed i mean it's like you, everybody wants your opinion and then once you put your opinion out it's either right or it's wrong um and i think that's extremely stressful on the media and i i think 
for me, what I try to do is, is, and I get it. Like it, it, the thing is, is like, there's still, there's diff, there's a difference between, and I, I think most people don't realize this. There's a difference between like sports media and like political media, because I feel like the political media has been like lumped into this, like mob mob mentality type, type situation. But I feel like sports media in some ways is like that at times, like, you know, the media wants football canceled, right? Like that was, the thing that went on all summer is like, well, the media doesn't want football to be played. And it's like, well, actually we do because our job, our jobs kind of depend on it. And uh, I just enjoy it as a, as a human being. But um, you know, it's interesting as a young journalist to go through that because in journalism school, we learn all about that kind of stuff. And, and you know, if you're supposed to give your, I mean, some professors tell you like you need to give your opinion and some professors tell you you're not supposed to give your opinion. And, and and it's really difficult to kind of find your way. And I think the biggest thing for me, is I always try to put myself in a non-media seat. Like I try to view things from a fan's perspective. What does a fan want to read? What does a fan want to know? Does a fan want my opinion on that play that just happened? And then I give it to them if they do, you know? And, and I think that's what we have to do as media is kind of sit back and say, okay, what do people want to read? And now, now sometimes you have to share things that they don't want to read, right? I mean, you have to be uh, critical in, in, in situations and, and tell people, uh, what's going on, even if they don't want to know about it. Um, just like, you know, the Black Lives Matter stuff that happened all summer. I think that's a, a perfect example of like, you know, do you, as the media, you're supposed to be fair and balanced and just report the news. But when there's racist things happening in our country, you have to say, hey, that's racist, right? right? I mean, right. We, we can't, I mean, that's, I think, one of the biggest things that, that's going on. It's like, hey, that thing that just happened, that is a racist thing that happened. It's not, hey, this thing just happened. It's, a racist thing just happened. And right. I think the media has to realize that. And I, and I think, I think some people are, I think most, most media members are starting to come around to that. I mean, I think you look at some of the major newspapers and outlets, they're starting to, uh, you know, change their styles on, on, on those sorts of things and those sorts of topics. But I think in the sports world, we need to be doing those sorts of things too. And, and again, it's a really interesting time. I mean, it, it, like you said, 2020 and, and really the last few years has, has just been in, um, you know, ever-changing, evolving time for journalism and, and media as itself. I don't know if I answered that. I, I kind no, of you killed it. There, You're killing but. it. I, um, you know, you, you, when you say to point out racism, right? Like one of my favorite things to say in 2020 is it's no longer safe to be a racist or a bigot because it's not, right? And I have to laugh because when, when, you, when you say, you know, that's a racist thing, the way that you said it and you recognize it and you have no problem making that statement. And I recognize those things too, but different perspective, right? As so I'll never forget when Michael Vick um, got busted for fighting dogs and I'm on live with a sports animal in, in Oklahoma city. And I'm, you know, feeling these calls from these people who are like asking me about the black community. And, you know, did I grow up around dog fighting? And I'm like, what, I don't, what is that? no, you know, like this, this is a, it's a black thing. It's a cultural thing. And I'm like, I'm, I'm from Youngstown. I, I've never seen a dog fight. I bet you I could have probably found one if I was in that circle, but I didn't grow up around that. My dad wasn't like, Hey, let me tell you a story at the time. Grandpa and I went down and fought these dogs. It's like not something, you know, that I do. And then you hear, you know, through the course of that next couple of weeks, the, the N words thrown all over the place. I'm getting, I'm getting people calling up to the show and I bet your N word ass supports him and all these. And it's like, you know, that's, that's a race. You can't, you can't just do that. Well, this is in 2007 or eight. Like I wasn't comfortable talking about 
race or what's racist or, you know, what views are racist or how ignorant it is for you to just lump a bunch of colored people into one dog fighting group and things. You know what I mean? So like my, I feel like the release of this year, 2020, allowing me to talk about these things and be confident in saying them and not feel like I'm going to be persecuted for them or thought or not thought less of, or as much as, you know, oh, he's, he's got a black opinion, you know, his, that that's his black, of course it's racist. He's a black guy. He thinks everything is racist, right? That's kind of how uh, I always felt when those things came up, maybe never want to talk about them. Um, so I can say this, I appreciate you and our colleagues here in Oklahoma city and uh, the media around the country that are, are willing to point out those things. Cause that's what needs to happen, right? It just, it needs to be pointed out. No, that you can't say that, sir. This is a target. That's racist. <laughs> right. And you know, I think for me too, like, I mean, I'm so young and, and, you know, I, you know, growing up in Oklahoma, it's just, it's just different. And again, as, as a white person, I think you don't, you, you have to sit back and listen. And I think that that's the biggest thing. And, and for me, I was actually, I don't know if you remember this story, but I was um, in a class uh, my last semester where the professor used the N-word oh, uh, wow. at OU. I was in that class when that happened. And, uh, you know, there, was, there were three black students in that class that uh, were sitting I think front row when it happened. And, um, you know, that was sort of my first kind of step back realization and, and really sat and listened to them and, and, and tried to understand. And, and I mean, of course, at the time I was like, I, mean, I cannot believe he just said that. And right. in fact, actually left the class, but, um, you know, I think, and then everything that happened this summer, I, I just think that there's so much learning to do in that area and, and a lot of other areas. And, and, you know, we talk, I mean, we talk, I mean, everybody talked about it for, the entire summer and, 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 you know, rightfully so. And we're still having the conversation today, which is a good thing that where you and I are sitting here in, in November and the conversation hasn't gone away. Still going, yeah. um, but, and, and so, you know, I just think it's important as, as media members to point those things out because I think we, we've learned as, as media members that you're just supposed to report the news is what they would say. Just report the news, report what happened. And it's like, okay, well, what happened is, is this fact right here. That is a fact that that was racist or that was whatever. Uh, and I think that that's just really important for us as media members to do today, especially today. No, I, I agree. Continuing the conversation is the, the goal, right? You hope it goes well into 2021. And, and after that, you know, I, I don't know how much, I don't know if we can measure the change that's happening right now. I think the world being uh, in a pandemic probably even makes it more difficult to have an idea of how many people have been impacted by this or how many people's opinions have changed. And we hope, I hope that we, you know, we start to see some of those things in, in everyday life over the next several years. But I think it's going to take that the next several years. But I can be honest with you, for the first time in my entire life, I feel like, you know, just maybe there's a chance that here in a decade or, you know, here in, in 15 years when my son takes the field for the first time or he's swinging a golf club, hopefully, you know, in a in a, a college event somewhere that he's just looked at as a normal kid, right? That there's no, oh, look at the, the black kid who's playing golf at Oklahoma State or, you know, one of those things. Like, I, I think we're getting closer to that. I think young people today uh, just see you for who you are, right? I mean, and I think that's a, a positive for sure. Um, let's end this with a little OU talk. And I know that you cover the Broncos now, but you haven't been there that long. And Denver is absolutely terrible. <laughs> there's no question about it. Um, we'll hit them on the, on the back end, but I got to ask you, you know, as far as uh, Oklahoma is concerned, you know, this has been a season of ridiculousness Two home. I mean, two losses uh, to Kansas state and Iowa state coach climbing beats them back to back, which was unbelievable. Uh, you, you mentioned the Iowa state loss. And then since then, you know, since Texas, 
uh, since Spencer Rattler was sat down on national television, I had a panic attack in the press box. I'm like, Lincoln's lost his mind. This is his first homegrown quarterback in the in, in his entire history at Oklahoma, and you're going to bench him in the biggest game of his career. After he last week, he played his ass off, even in the loss. I'm like, this is bad. And since then, it's been pretty brilliant, right? I mean, you're talking about a team that looks like a top 15, top 10, top 5 team in some people's view. And, you know, what an incredible job to – to manage the pandemic and find a way to get better each and every week. Yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, I, I obviously haven't been around the team or the program, um, you know, since last season really, but I, I, I of course keep up with it. My dad is obviously a huge OU fan. My brother, yeah, uh, yeah, my brother's a a student at OU right now. So, um, you know, every time I talk to my dad, he's like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that about OU football? So um, it's, it's interesting, though, because when I was covering the team, it was always this was going to be the window, right? When, when Rattler got here, that, that uh, is it the 2019 class? Yeah, the 2019 class with the, all the five stars, this is the window. 2020 to about 2022, that's the time to try and win a national title. And, you know, I think going into this season, um, you know, just looking at the guys that were coming back, I, I think everyone knew it was not going to be a national title season, but I don't think anybody expected them to go out and, and drop two games right off the bat. And right. especially in a season like this, I think that I, I personally thought they were going to run the table. Um, you know, I thought they had the most talent and I still do. I think they have the most talent in, in the conference. Um, you take away that Tennessee game, that non-conference game. I think they would have won that anyways, but you look at the, the way the schedule was built. It was just like, they're going to be able to run the table here. Um, and so really the Iowa state loss wasn't too shocking to me. I mean, I think Iowa state's a really good football team. I think we're seeing that right now. And I think that they have a very good chance to win the big 12 and beat Oklahoma a second time, the Kansas state game, going back and and watching that game and watching it live. I mean, the only thing I can ever remember being as shocking was when OU lost to Iowa state at home in uh, what was that? 2017. And standing there, I remember standing there on the sidelines towards the end of the game. and, And until uh, that last incomplete pass from Baker thinking, oh, you was going to win the game somehow. Right. And that's the way I felt about Kansas State. And really the Kansas State game, I mean, you take away, I think there was a blocked punt and a Seth McGowan fumble and some interceptions. I mean, you take away maybe one of those turnovers and they probably win that football game. But you look at the way that they've responded. And that, to me, tells me the type of football team that they can be next year. Because I, I they're, they're not going to get in the playoffs this year unless something crazy happens, which – you never know. Maybe something happens. But even then, I, you know, I don't think they're a team that can compete with an Alabama or Clemson. I think they could maybe play with Notre Dame. Um, you know, I'm, I'm missing somebody. Ohio State, I think, is, is really good. So we've only seen them play a few games. Um, so I don't think they really want to be in the playoffs this year. But the way that they've been able to respond, because you have to remember, they were one and two going to the Texas game, which we all know is just kind of that weird no matter what, it's, it's a tight game. Texas has a, a decent team this year, I guess you could say. And they go into three overtimes or four overtimes and beat Texas to avoid from going to one and three. And now they've, they've run the table since. I mean, that's impressive stuff, I think. I think that this shows a lot of maturity. I mean, they're, they're obviously a very young football team. Um, you know, I think Rattler, we've seen him grown a lot. Uh, you know, obviously the suspensions have been a huge story. And, and you know, I think if they have – Ramondre or Ronnie, either one of those guys in the Kansas State game, I think they win. Iowa State, I don't know, maybe maybe they win. Um, but it, it's just, I think it's it's a really good step forward for the program that they're able to respond like that because they could have easily, you know, you know, given up really and lost that Texas game, 
especially, I mean, you look at that, they played great until the fourth quarter, the end of the fourth quarter. They could have given up right there, given up an overtime, and uh, and they didn't, and they've responded since. And, you know, I, I, I like their their chances. I, I, I don't think they played very well against Baylor. I think part of that is just the COVID stuff. I, I really do think that you look at the teams across the country that have had these extra bye weeks is what you call them, is, but you know, they're not practicing. And, and I think that's really tough is, is, is having a week off, especially when they're coming off their, their, their best win of the season against a really good Oklahoma state team, in my opinion, um, you know, not being able to ride that momentum, I think kind of hurt them. And I think we'll see them kind of get back on track this week against West Virginia, who I think is also a pretty good football team. But I, I think you look at, the future of this group. And, and even if let's say Ronnie doesn't come back, which I don't think he should, I think he's a very good player and will get drafted. Let's say Ramondre comes back um, and you get pretty much everyone else back. I mean, this is a team that could seriously compete for a national title. And, and, and I, you know, I, I think they, they should have won it maybe in 2017, they kind of blew it uh, against Georgia at 2018, obviously the defense was so bad that you can't say that they would have won it. 2019, I, I think we would all agree that they probably no shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Right. Um, but you look at this 2021 team, some of the guys they're bringing in. I mean, it looks like they're going to bring in some some studs, some and heavy hitters. Just, you know, 22. Yeah, and so I, I think they have a legit shot now. Of course, it, the way with with Beamer leaving is obviously interesting. I think Beamer is a great coach, and I think that's actually a great hire by South Carolina. I know some people are are questioning that, but the one to watch out for is if, you know, Alex Grinch, the job he's done in two years is, is phenomenal. I mean, it is unbelievable. And if he's not getting some serious head coaches, you know, looks this, this offseason, I'll be surprised. So um, if they can keep Grinch and most of that defensive staff, and then, you know, those, I mean, a lot of those defensive players will be back, especially up front, uh, other than Ronnie, man, they're a team to look out for in 2021. So that's a long winded answer, but I I've been impressed by OU this year. I mean, I, I know they have two losses, but if they can go and beat West Virginia this week, win the Big 12 again, and then, you know, play in a good bowl game, I'd say that's a success this year. Give me a score, or give me pick somebody for the uh, Big 12 championship. Oklahoma, Iowa State, I, I agree with you. Iowa State's a good football team, and they've done a lot of the same. They're getting better each and every week. Uh, but does Oklahoma get it done? I think they do. And, and the reason why is I think that defensive line, it's, it's just going to cause problems. Yep. And, and I think you having Ronnie and now, of course it, it depends if, if, if they don't have Nick Benito or Ronnie Perkins in that game, I know they were missing Benito this last week. I think they'll struggle um, because what they need to do is, is, is obviously stop uh, Brees Hall who's, who's playing phenomenal. I think he's one of the best running backs in the country, if not the best. Um, but if they can get pressure on Brock Purdy, who I think is a good quarterback at times, but when he gets under pressure, he turns the ball over. So if they can turn the ball over, I think they'll have a chance because I, I think OU's offense, I mean, they scored some points in that first game. Um, they can find some, some success. And if they can slow down Purdy and Bryce Hall or Brees Hall, um, then I think they have a shot. I, you know, I, I would think it's going to be low scoring because I do think both defenses are pretty good. And I think Oklahoma struggled at times on offense. But, you know, if they get – I don't know if Austin Stogner's – I don't know his status, but I think him being out has really hurt them. But if they have Mikey Henderson back, um, who I know I think was out this last week because of COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would give OU the advantage. But I think it's going to be close. I think it really is going to be a lot like last year's Big 12 championship game. I um, mean, Baylor came in and competed their asses off. Um, their well-coached football team. I mean, that Baylor team was, was I think, maybe the best-coached football team uh, in the Big 12 last season. I Agreed. think Iowa State is, is maybe the best-coached football team this year in the Big 12. So, um, 
you know, I think they're they're going to. Iowa State's going to be more than ready, uh, but I think OU gets it done in a in a really close game, maybe like 31-24, 31-27, somewhere in that range. Okay. Um... We've got just a few minutes left here, but I, I've got to ask, you know, Denver Broncos have been, uh, what an odd season. You know, at one point you have no quarterbacks on your roster at all. You got to go to, was it a receiver that played quarterback? Yeah, it was, it was a undrafted rookie practice squad wide receiver. What? I don't even know where to go from here, right? Like, I mean, what, what do you, what is the expectations uh, of a football team that takes the field with an undrafted free agent rookie wide receiver as a starting quarterback, like what kind of story is that? It's a, it's a, it's a stupid one. <laughs> uh, it should have never, it should have never happened. I mean, right. uh, I mean, if, if the quarterbacks where they're, I mean, look, I, you know, I'm not going to get mad at, at these. I mean, these guys came, these quarterbacks came in on an off day to get some extra work in. I mean, you can't blame them, but they didn't wear their mask. They got caught doing it. They, apparently lied about not wearing their mask. Oh, I mean, no. So they're at their own fault. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it, 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 but then at the same time, the NFL, this is where I, this is, this is my opinion here is that the NFL should have moved the game because I understand they want to punish the Broncos. And I think they really did want to make an example out of them for not following protocols. But you put that kid, that undrafted rookie practice squad wide receiver at risk, because let's say that kid gets sacked or, gets hurt or what, you know, let's say he gets sacked and gets hurt, breaks his leg or something. I mean, that's, that's BS. That should never right. happen to that's that That's his kid. whole career and, and, for and, some sort of a gimmicky right. garbage move. Right. Right. And so that, and, and here's the thing is they, they could have moved it back to Monday and maybe given the Broncos a few more day or an extra day to prepare. And that's what I, you know, I understand maybe don't let the quarterbacks play and, and give the Broncos more time. But that's where I was like, uh, I was like, you, you have to move it. But, you know, with the Broncos moving forward, I just the the issue starts at the top. I mean, they 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 technically don't have an owner right now, and that's what's what's hurting them is because I think John Elway is proven that he's just not a great GM. general manager at right. times, um, or questionable at times. I think you look at some of his draft picks and, and some of the people he's put his faith in, and it's just uh, not worked out. And so I think it starts at the top, and and. You know, I think they've got some great young pieces, and, and I think they, I think Big Fangio is actually a pretty good head coach. He knows what he's doing defensively, um, especially. But they just don't have a quarterback right now. And, and if I were the Broncos, looking at this draft with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, um, the kid from North Dakota State, and, and the BYU kid, Zach Wilson, I, I would try to lose. I mean, <laughs> I'd try right. to get a top ten pick and, and try to pick up one of those guys if I if I could swing it. But um, you know, they need to get a quarterback, and, and I think they also need to figure out their ownership ownership situation because I really do think you look at some of the best teams in the league, the teams that have had success, uh, they usually have good owners and, and good GMs. And right now I, I don't think the Broncos can say that. George, I appreciate your time so much, my friend. No problem, Sam. This was a, a lot of fun. Yeah, good luck with your career. I'm, I'm wishing you the best of luck. And hopefully the Broncos can get it. I mean, look, you were a part of one of the most ridiculous turnarounds in college football. People don't even realize what they're watching with Oklahoma at this point because Bob Stoops never let them get to the basement. But what's happened in the last five years with the Sooners is incredible. Maybe, just maybe, you'll bring a little luck to the Broncos. That would be a lot of fun. I, I uh, have always dreamt of maybe covering the Super Bowl. So maybe the Broncos can get me there. I highly doubt it uh, anytime <laughs> soon. But uh, maybe they can. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Later. The Sam Mays Podcast is a production of P-Squared Media.